All right, Daniel chapter 6, you should be there by now. We'll let you stay seated there. Just going to look at a few verses. This will be our jumping off point today, verses 18 to 20. Now, we're not preaching on Daniel in the lion's den. This is a very famous chapter. You probably glanced at it, so I know this chapter well. I just want to look at a question that's asked in this chapter, and we're going to answer that question today in chapel. That'll be the title of the message. Daniel chapter 6, let's pick up the story, verse 18. This is the king, King Darius. Daniel's on his way to the lion's den because of uh, his disobedience to the command that went out that the king was sort of tricked by. Verse 18, Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, Servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? That's the question I want us to look at this morning. We're going to answer that question in the message. Old Daniel, is thy God able? Is thy God able to deliver thee, Daniel? Now, we know the story. We know it well. And we know that God did deliver Daniel. And Daniel, by and large, said, yes, my God did deliver me. My God did save me. But that king asked that question, is thy God able to deliver thee? You know, that question wasn't just asked by the king. You know, that question is being asked all around us today in our society and world and has been. Do you know the lost world is asking, is there even a God? And for those of you who you say you're a Christian, you're a believer, is your God that you claim to hold to and believe to, is your God able do you know the world is asking that question? You've got friends, you've got family, you've got neighbors, you've got people you're burdened for, and they're looking and they're searching. They may not be an atheist, they may not be an agnostic, they may call themselves somewhat religious or not attached. They may even be what would be called a nominal believer. Uh, but they're asking that question, maybe not verbally, but in their actions, they're searching. Is your God able can he do anything? Is he able to help me? Is he able to help the situation that I'm in? Is he able to help maybe this world? Some would say, is there even a God? Can you even know him? Is your God able? Well, I want to answer that question. That's the title of my message this morning. The title is, Yes, Our God is Able. Yes, Our God is Able. We'll look at three truths this morning concerning our God and the fact that he is Able. Let's pray. Father, I pray now in these next few moments. Lord, I pray you'll meet the need of every heart here today. Every faculty member, every visitor, every student. Lord, those that maybe are watching right now live stream or may watch it later sometime today or this week. Lord, I don't know who those folks are, but you do. Lord, you know their condition. If they're a believer, if they've trusted Christ as Savior, if they're a child of God. Lord, if they're searching. Lord, you may know today who's struggling. Lord, there may be students today, faculty members who are smiling and saying the songs. And right now, everything looks great. But Lord, you know beneath the surface, perhaps. Lord, there's a dissatisfaction. There's a loneliness. There's a discouragement. Lord, there's, uh, you know all that's going on, Lord. Lord, there may be some folks asking, at least in their mind, Oh, God, are you able? It doesn't appear that you are. God, I want to believe, but it doesn't seem like you're able. Lord, I pray today. Each person would leave today knowing and believing with all their heart that, yes, God, you are able. Oh, God, speak through me now, I pray, in these next few moments. Holy Spirit, apply the message to those who need it the way they need it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Yes, our God is able. I'm going to look at three truths this morning. We're going to look at three different passages. All right, so we're going to jump around a little bit today. So if you'll turn first to Hebrews chapter 7. Now, we're going to come back to Daniel, so you may want to mark that. Hebrews chapter 7 today. We're going to look at three simple points. Each point will have a reference. We'll flip around a little bit today about the truth that, yes, God is able. I don't know if you grew up in church or Sunday school. Many of you have. Maybe you grew up in a place, your parents, they taught you a lot of those kids' songs. I love those kids' songs. Had the opportunity the last six to eight weeks on Wednesday night to fill in for Charlie and our Kids for Truth program. You may have a children's ministry at your church. Could be a master's club. Could be King's Kid. A lot of different ministries out there that are good. And so one of the things he was going to do was sort of head up our Wednesday night Kids for Truth. Well, we're, we're just starting it brand new this year. We had a different one last year. We're trying something a little bit different. And so we were just getting ready to start it. And he had to be up there with his family. And that's great. And God knew all about that. And so I was in a little dilemma. I was like, oh, wow, we have some people that were helping. But the way Kids for Truth was run, it really needed someone to be there. So I, I decided I'm just going to be down there. So I was down there for six, seven weeks. And I had Pastor Cremard, uh, different men in the church who sort of filled in upstairs on the Wednesday night with the adults. And I was down there and sort of got things cranking up. And you know what? Uh, a lot of kids don't grow up, at least in our area, they, they didn't know a lot of the kids' songs. Ones that I just thought everybody knew, right? I grew up with those. My mom taught me, my mom taught Good News Club. We learned them in Sunday school. We learned them in church and uh, all kind of kids' songs. And a lot of them don't know them, so we're teaching those. And that's important in the children's ministry. One of the songs, though, if I remember all the different songs I learned growing up, and there are many great ones, probably my favorite, if you ask me, is He is a you know, he is just a core. He is able. He is able. I know he is able. And then you repeat that. I know my God is able. Carry me through. I love that song. That's, I probably learned that when I was just young. My mom taught that so many times. I've sung that so many times. But you know, that's not just for young people. It's not just for kids, for teens, for adults. He is able. Absolutely. My God is able. He can deliver me. He can carry me through. I want to look at that today. Number one, our God is able to save to the uttermost. Our God is able to save to the uttermost. Take a look at Hebrews 7. I can't remember if I told you the chapter. I may not have. Hebrews chapter 7. Take a look at verse number 25. Verse 25 says, Wherefore he, talking about Jesus God, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Number one this morning, he is able to save the uttermost. I love that verse. And we know it's talking about Christ, verse 22, by so much, by so much was Jesus, talking about the priesthood, so much better. Verse 24, but this man, speaking of Christ, the God-man, because he continueth ever or forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. Amen. Now, I don't take it for granted this morning that just because this is a Christian college, and just because this is a Bible college, or because God's maybe calling you in the ministry, or you're getting a one-year Bible certificate, I don't assume that everybody in here is born again or is settled on that. Now, I went to Christian college. My wife went to Christian college. My wife grew up in church. My wife said, I was saved when I was five, like many. But you know what? My wife, her freshman year, and I didn't even know her, at Pensacola Christian College, during some preaching, God began to just speak at her heart. She wasn't settled on that. And at the age of 17, as a freshman, she came forward in a pretty large college, a couple thousand, and got that settled right there in her freshman year. And I tell you what, it made all the difference in the world. And you know what she struggled with? She struggled with this. But everybody thinks I'm saved. My parents think I'm saved. My parents would say, honey, you are saved. 
At five years old, you were saved. We were there. We prayed with you. Or, or, or you were at church or whatever. And she said, you know, I, I know that, but I don't remember it very well. I very well may have been saved at that moment, but I'm 17. I'm a freshman in college, and I don't got that settled. But you know what? There's a lot of people that, what if I go back home? Will people be disappointed in me? Oh, what about people who think that I've been, you know, I've been called to preach or, or I've already done all kind of stuff? I can't let people know that. I've already been baptized. I've already done all this kind of stuff, but yet you're unsettled on it or you know you know you're not you're just having to sort of make up the fact that you're a believer aren't you glad number one that God is able to save to the uttermost hey if you're here today if you're watching that may be you that may be your story that may not be you may be like I was saved when I was five that family devotions you know what I've always looked back on that and I believe I was saved was there some moments during my teen years where I was away from God and rebellious that I struggled a little bit with assurance absolutely I think everybody will when you're in sin, you're not walking with God. Uh, absolutely. Well, was there times probably where I was at a camp or at a youth event where I might have said a prayer like, all right, Lord, I can't, oh, if I'm not saved, save me, that kind of a thing. Uh, absolutely. But I have no doubt that I was saved at the age of five. I look back on that. I believe that with all my heart. I don't think I ever went to a time where I had to get assurance, though I certainly had a lot of ups and downs. You might be settled in that. You may say, praise God, I was saved when I was four or five. I was saved when I was a teenager. I was saved this semester. I don't know what it may be. I was saved when I was 25. But you might be here today and you're not settled on that. I want you to know that God is able to save to the uttermost. And that's an interesting phrase. That word uttermost means completely, entirely, fully. Has the idea of it's completely finished. It's the same as John 19, 30, Christ on the cross. It is what? Finished. It's complete. Nothing more to be done. Nothing more could be done. It is completely, entirely, fully ended. What? Christ accomplished on the cross all that needed to be done. Sin had been paid for. God's wrath was satisfied. Christ gave up his life as a substitute. The good shepherd died. Of course, three days later, rose again the resurrection. It is finished. Christ is able to save to the uttermost. The idea here, again, maybe you like hiking, maybe you like trails and things, a lot of trails, did a lot of hiking up in Asheville over the years with teens, backpacking trips. Boy, that's a great area, all that kind of stuff. Did many, many teen hikes, waterfall hikes, love that kind of stuff. You ever been on a big hike, Appalachian Trail, uh, whatever, all kind of trails to go on down across America. If you've been on one of those, usually there's a beginning, a trailhead. Here's where it starts, and then there's always usually an ending. All right, Appalachian Trail, you start down in Georgia, go up to Maine. You know what? When you get to the uttermost part at that top of that mountain there in Maine, guess what? It's over. That's the uttermost end of that trail. It does not go any farther. You have reached the finish. You're at the end. The idea here is Christ, God, is able to save to the uttermost. There's nothing else to be done. There's nothing else to be added. When you put your faith and trust in Christ and his finished work on the cross, when you believe the Bible, what it says, and you turn from your sin and you call upon him and ask him to save you, he is able to save you to the uttermost once and for all. You don't get saved repeatedly again and again. He is able, his power, his authority is able to save you once and for all. It doesn't rest on your feelings. It doesn't rest on your emotions. It doesn't rest on circumstances. It rests on the fact that he is able to save, to deliver, to rescue you from your sins once and for all to the uttermost. Take a look a little bit later in that chapter. Verse 25 is talking about Christ. Look at verses 26 and 27. For such an high priest became us who is holy, talking about Christ, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. 
It's comparing him to the Old, Old Testament priest. You became a priest, and then you stayed in there till you died, and you died. And you were also a sinner. And so you'd offer your, you had to offer sacrifices for your own sins. And then you would offer for the sins of the people. And you had to do that every single day. And then you died. And then someone would take your place. And so it was a revolving priesthood made up of sinners. But it's saying, here is Jesus Christ, the high priest. The priest from Melchizedek. No beginning, no ending. He was not a sinner. Separate from sinners. Perfect. He offered once and for all. It is finished. He rose again, never to die again. He liveth forever. And he says, I've got the keys of death and in hell. And it's only through me that you can have salvation. And when you call upon me in turn and I give that to you and I pay for your, rescue your sins and I forgive you, it's to the uttermost. It's done. He is able. No longer do I need to worry in and out. Oh, what if I've done this and I, I no longer saved or I need to get saved again once and for all. Aren't you glad? First John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, all sin, not some. All sin, 1 John 1, 9, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Our God is able. He's not a halfway God. Nowhere in the Bible you ever see God ever doing anything halfway. It's all. All sin, all unrighteousness, once and for all, saved to the uttermost. He that spared not his own son, but freely gave, he, he didn't hold anything back. All of it at one time. God's not a halfway God. He's a whole way God. And when you call upon him and repent of your sins and turn and do what he says and believe on him, receive him, it's forever. Saved to the uttermost, you're sealed, eternal life, everlasting life, child of God. He has the power, he has the authority to save and rescue you from your sins forevermore. I trust you've done that this morning. If you've never done that, if you're here today and you've been wavering on that, you're not sure, you struggle with that. You say, I, I, don't even, I haven't even told my closest friends. I don't know what they'll think. Or faculty member, they're going to, I've got this, everybody thinks that I'm, you've got to get that settled. You've got to get that settled. And he is able to save you to the utter most. You say, well, I know, but what if I've come to him so many times and I'm just not sure. Let's just take the words of scripture, right? John 6, 40, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. We've got to believe him. He is able to save. He desires to save. And he says, whoever comes to me, the way I've said, I will in no wise, no way, no how cast you away. I will receive you. I am able to save you to the uttermost. Number two, number two though, not only is God able to save us to the uttermost, and I trust he's done that, and I hope you have a testimony of that, and I hope you rejoice in that daily, but number two, he's able to deliver us from every trial. He's able to deliver us from every trial. Now we're going to go back to Daniel, or we're going to go to Daniel chapter three this time. Daniel chapter three. God is able to deliver us, number two, from every trial. From every trial, the king said, Daniel, is your God able? I hope you're here today and you can say, absolutely, my God is able. My God is not only able to save me to the uttermost. There's a lot of folks out there today that would scoff at salvation. They would scoff at that old, old story. They might say, that's impossible. There's no way that you can know that. You really believe you're a sinner. You think there's a heaven and hell. You really believe that. You say, yes, my God is able. And you go to the word of God and you show them that and you live that. Number two, though, not only is he able to save us to the uttermost, he's able to deliver us from every 
trial. Now, I could have used Daniel 6 because that's where the question is. Daniel, is your God able? But I want to go back to Daniel chapter 3. And I'm going to look at those three Hebrew young men because you'll see the same thing being asked of them and their answer, that tremendous answer, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's pick it up there in Daniel chapter 3. And let's, oh, let's pick it up there in verse 14. Daniel 3. We're going in the middle of the story. I realize that. All right. We've got this massive statue, 90, 100 feet tall. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's feeling very proud and arrogant. He wants everybody to bow down. Massive crowd. Everybody's there, right? When you hear the music, everybody better bow down and worship me or the image. Of course, you've got these three young men. We don't know their age at this point. They could be teens. They could be young adults. They're not bowing down. Everybody knows they're standing. And so the guards, the soldiers, the leaders, they bring these three young men to the king. And now the king is going to speak. Verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true? Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? I can't believe, is this true? I can't believe this is true. You've got to know. Don't you know what's going to happen? I'm going to give you another chance. Verse 15. Now, if ye be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all the kinds of music. Okay, fellas, maybe you don't understand. You're, you're not from here. Uh, when you hear the music begin to play, that's your key. Ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, well just means, okay, everything will be forgiven. Um, it's okay. I'll give you another chance. You probably didn't understand what's going on. If you do that, everything's going to be good. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. I want you to notice what he says at the end. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now, that's arrogance, isn't it? Let me tell you right now, if you don't bow down, you're going to be right away thrown into the fiery furnaces. And they're basically saying, and there's no God alive if there is even a God that's going to deliver you. Now, notice their answers. You probably know it well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. They said it all in unison, perhaps. Perhaps one of them was the older one. They, I, just, I don't even think it was a, I think they looked at each other. They already knew exactly what they were going to say. All right, tell them what we talked about. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now, normally in life, we need to be careful. When you think what we're going to say, we just, oh. he said, you know what? We're, we're not going to be careful how we answer you. I know who you are. You're the king. You're a very big man, but we're going to answer you. Here's, here's the truth, verse 17. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able. Amen. Is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. If it, our God is able. We're not answering this carefully. We're not going to go back and say, let's huddle up here a little bit, fellas. We've got to be careful. Did you hear what he just said? He just threatened us. All right? We're, we're going to, we already know the answer. Our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And even if he doesn't, he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But look at verse 18. But if not, our God is able. But if he chooses not to, if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Wow, what an answer. Our God is able. But if not, if he chooses not to, it doesn't change one thing. He's still able. He's still powerful. He just may choose right now for his honor and glory. No, but we're not going to capitulate or compromise and bow down to worship you or your gods. Our God is able. Now, we know the story. We know the rest. We know that God did deliver them. 
We know that God, for his glory, delivered them. We know that God used that as a stark picture to work in Nebuchadnezzar's heart, and no doubt everybody who saw that. We know later in the book, Daniel 6, same similar story. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel is your God, whom thou servest continually. Is he, did he, was he able to save you? Now, God didn't have to deliver Daniel. Daniel was an old man who served him faithfully. But God chose to deliver him, and, what, and God, Daniel said, yes, my God has. He has protected me. He sent his angel. He delivered me from the lions. He is able. And in those occasions, in that field where God had these men, and that wickedness, and that pagan country, and these leaderships, God chose to deliver those men from those trials. God is able to deliver from every trial. But notice, notice what Shadrach meant, but if not. We can't assume that just because God is able that he chooses to do so in every situation. That doesn't mean a blanket statement. Hey, I'm going to therefore do my own thing, do this, maybe not live by Bible principles. God is able. It's easy to say that. God is able. Many times God will if he chooses to. There may be times, though, where you are living by the Bible. You are living by Bible principles. And you're in the middle of a trial. And you say, I know that God is able and I'm expecting it. And God may not. That doesn't mean he's not able and he wasn't able. Like these men, they said, but if not, we've, we've talked about it. We understand that God may allow us, we may be martyred in a way. We may die right here. And we're prepared to do that, to obey God. And God may choose to not do that. And that's not changing our view of God, though. That doesn't diminish one bit our view of our great God. He is able. Their confidence was in God. Their confidence was in their God. They had no doubt about it. Praise God for that. God is able to deliver thee, but I want to tell you, it may not always be how you think it should be done or when you think it should be done. Because you, you, that's humanly, as sinners, we have a sin curse deceived, and, and we think, well, this is the way I would do it. God, I'm asking you to deliver me from this. I've got some financial hardship. God, you're able. Not the way I, come on, Lord. <laughs> I've got some health issues. Me, my family, friends. Come on, God. You are able. God is able. I'm like, Lord, I've been praying. I've been, Lord, I need some help with some classes. <laughs> Lord, work in the teacher's heart. <laughs> Lord, come on, work in my heart. God, help me. I need some mercy. God, I can't I understand this class. Lord, uh, 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 God's called me to preach, but I can't do it. You say, I know he's able. God's called me to the mission field. I don't think it's going to work out. I'm a piece of work. God is able, but it may not be the way that you think. It's not going to probably be according to your plan. <laughs> it's going to be God's way. And he may choose not to intervene the way you think or what you expect. You say, well, yeah, nobody did in the Bible. I mean, come on, Lord. I'm in the lion's den, you might think, in a way. Come on, Lord. I'm getting ready to go this. You did it once. Can't you do it again? Of course God can. Do you believe he's able? He is able. But let's use scripture with scripture. Does God always deliver everybody? Does he do it the same way for every single person? Have you read your Bible? Do you have it for a reason? Uh, what about in jail, huh? Uh, Peter was in jail, about to be killed. What did God do? He delivered him miraculously, didn't he, by saying an angel. But what about John the Baptist? John the Baptist, did he do anything wrong? He was preaching against sin, and boom, head cut off. Was God not able? God was able. So why did he for one and not the other? What about a storm? How about the disciples in the middle of the boat, in the ocean, giant storm? They wake up the Lord. Lord, help us. Don't you care? We're going to die. Peace be still. 
Whoa. Hey, what about Paul, though, when he was on a boat with a bunch of people? No, no peace be still. Shipwreck. Floating on logs to the island. God, come on. God is able. Of course he's able. You could go all through your Bible. Oh, what about stoning? Paul was stoned in Lystra, left to dead, healed miraculously, back up preaching. What about Stephen, though? God, are you not able? God is able. God is able to deliver thee. But God is not obligated to do what you think he should do or why he should do what you think he should do. When he, God is able, that's not the issue. And by the way, when God delivers, it's not always physically or what we think, hey, I would rather, I would rather uh, be delivered and peace be still than, than float on, 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 to an island soaking wet, and well, at least I survived, God is able to deliver you and I from every trial. I don't know what you're going through. Everybody goes through trials. Everybody in this room is going through something. Trial, a test, tribulation, persecution, perhaps some chastening of the Lord. Maybe a little spiritual famine, a little drought. Maybe it's of your own doing. Maybe in bondage to some sin. Maybe a time of direction. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't really know. You're going through some of those trials. You're going through some of those, what we might say, spiritual or physical lion's dens or, or times of pressure. Lord, I don't know what to do. I need some help. It could be anything. It could be family related. It could be health related. And you're saying, oh, God, please, please. Oh, Many times we want God to just you know, remove whatever it is. Uh, miraculously provide all the money I need. Miraculously heal the sickness. Miraculously the relationship. Whatever it is, just immediately do it, God. Please. And we're praying that way. And God is able. But it may not be what you want it to be. Will you still trust him? Will you still believe him? Will you still obey and walk with him? Are you willing to say, God, I'm asking you to do this, but if it's not your will, God, I accept whatever it is. Oh, Lord, for your honor and glory. Lord, whatever you need to do through me. Lord, if you need us to die in the fire, so be it. If not, but we're prepared. But we're not changing. We're not backing down. We're not shaking our fist at God. We're not saying, no, look what happened. God must not be able. God is able. God is able to deliver thee. Look to him. Look to his word. Trust him. Walk with him. Obey him. Put out your hand and follow him. God is able to deliver them. We must hurry our third and final one, 2 Chronicles 25. 2 Chronicles 25, a few pages down to your left. 2 Chronicles 25. This perhaps will not be as familiar to you. We'll get our third final point on here and wrap it up. Number one, God is able to save, rescue, and deliver you from your sins to the uttermost. Number two, God is able to deliver from every trial, whatever it may be. Whatever it may be, God is able. Number three, 2 Chronicles 25 here as we draw it to a conclusion in the next few moments. Number three, God is able to give thee much more than this. God is able to give thee much more than this. Now, this may not be a story you're as familiar with, unless perhaps now you're in Old Testament or you're going through the Kings and Chronicles. You may, it may be right here. You may have covered it. I don't know where you're at and what classes you are, but... Interesting little story here involving a king, one of the kings of Judah, Amaziah. Chapter 25, verse 1, gives us some background. Amaziah was 25 when he became king. He reigned for 29 years. Verse 2, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. All right, so he would have been one of the eight good kings we would call of Judah. Not one of the greatest, but one of those pretty good overall. Not, you know, decent. 
All right, but there's an interesting story here. Verse number five, Amaziah becomes king. And one of the first things he does is verse five, he gathers Judah together and made them captains over thousands, captains over hundreds. We won't read the whole thing. Basically, he gets the military ready. He gets 300,000 men. He's shoring up his kingdom. If you go back to the previous chapter, you're going to find out why his father, who was not a good king, got killed due to some battling with the Syrians and some wickedness and judgment. And so you can think of this. All right, I'm not going to let that happen to me. So he gets a big military ready. He's got men and captains and generals and all these things. And not only that, though, it says, look at verse 6. He hired also 100,000 mighty men of valor out of Israel for 100 talents of silver. Okay, so he looks around and says, you know what? My military is not strong enough. I've got enemies all around us, the Syrians, the Edomites. I've got to get more men. I'm going to hire 100,000 mercenary soldiers. I'm going to pay for their services. They're going to come and sort of help us out. Now, they're, they're not of us. They're not of Judah. They're of Israel. They may be pagan. They're wicked, but hey, they're hired hand. I'm, and he pays them 100 talents of silver. Now, that's a large amount. You can read a lot of different things and say, what exactly was that amount? It's hard to tell based on Old Testament times, but likely that would be a large amount of money. Now, not as much as you may. It could, could be a million dollars. could be half a million dollars. Who knows what? It's likely, though, that the men themselves didn't get a whole lot. You want to divide what that was worth for 100,000 men? The men got a little bit of money, but here's why you were a mercenary. You got most of what you wanted when you were in the battles, and you won the battle, and you got all the leftovers, and you spoiled the cities and the tents. So you hired out. You got a little bit of money to work, but you know what? If you won, then you could go in there and grab whatever you wanted. So these men often would work for a little bit. So he's got 100,000 extra men he hired. But notice what happens in verse 7. God sends a prophet. There came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel, don't let these 100,000 men go with thee. For the Lord is not with Israel, to wit, and, and with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it, be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy, for God hath power to help and to cast down. You know what he just said? God is able. You don't need to get all these men. You don't need to hire pagans. You don't even need to do any of that. Jehovah God is able to help you and deliver you if you put your faith in him. But take a look at verse 9. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? I know, but I just <laughs> spent a boatload of money. I just gave a million dollars away. I can't afford to let that go. Look at the answer. And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. He, Amaziah the king did what almost every one of us do. We rely on the flesh. I've got plenty of money in the bank. We'll be okay. <laughs> the, money, the money in the bank is not what is helping you. I'm in perfect health. Just went to the doctor on my diet. Everybody knows my diet here. I'm so health obsessed and organic. And Hey, great. I, I'm, nothing's going to happen to me. Really? So your faith is in your health, your diet. Your DNA, your genetics, your, your wow, it's in your, your family, it's in your grades, it's in your uh, whatever it is. Amaziah, you're trusting in the flesh. You're looking around saying, well, I got 400,000 men here. We're good to go. And the prophet of God says, no. No, you don't need those 100,000 men. Send them home. They're wicked. They're pagan. They're not of God. You don't need them anyways. You're supposed to be relying on me. God is able, Amaziah, and Amaziah does what you and I do. I know, but I can't afford to lose all that money. <laughs> that is a lot of money. 
That's not pocket change. I've got too much invested to change. I've got too much in it. It may be wrong, but I can't afford to change right now. And the prophet said, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Time will not allow to really preach on that entire thing here, but I want to just finish with that this morning. Saying, listen, what you're about to do, Amaziah, it's not a God. You didn't pray. You didn't seek his face. Nowhere would he want you. You did it on your own. You may look like it's the right thing to do. It makes sense. You might have talked to some friends. They said, sounds good to me. Do it. Absolutely. It may look safe and comfortable, but it's not of God. And God's not going to bless you. God doesn't want you to do it. He wants you to send those men home. And he wants you to rely on him for he is able. And, and you know what? Amaziah said, oh, I don't know about that, though. I don't know if I can do that. I want to ask some of you, perhaps it's the direction that some of you are headed right now. Perhaps it's a job you're planning to take. Maybe you're in a relationship right now. You've got a lot invested in that relationship. Maybe it's a career. You might have money invested, time, emotions. You may have a lot of labor invested. But it's not a God. It's not of God. The Holy Spirit has been letting you know that. And you're where Amaziah is. I know, but I, it's too late. I mean, everybody's, it's, I can't change now in reverse course. Why not? The Lord is able. I know, but I've got, I've, I've just, everybody, this is the way it's going to go. Everybody, I mean, everybody knows it. I've already, I've already told everybody that's what I'm going to do. I, we're getting, we're getting married. We're, we're, I'm accepting this. I, it's the way I, I, I can't change now. Why not? If it's not of God, he is able to give thee much more than this. Much more. If you're going to turn your back against the Holy Spirit and just plow ahead, God's not in it. It's not going to end well. Do you not trust him that he is able? That he is able, if you obey him, even though it may look daunting and say, but I, but I have to start over. But I, I can't do that. I, I've already put, do you not believe that he's able? He is able to give thee much more than this. Now, praise God, Amaziah listened on this occasion. He didn't a little bit later, but he did on this one and obeyed God. I, you don't believe God can help you get that money back if that's his desire? You don't think God, are you willing to be in God's will? Are you willing to have the peace of God? Or are you willing just to go plow straight ahead? But my mom and dad, my parents, the teachers here, everybody, what does God want? He is able to give thee much more than this. Matthew 16, 25, for whosoever will save his life, hold it, reserve it for yourself, shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life, yield, surrender to me for my sake, shall find it. If you will give it to God, full surrender, you'll never lose it. Because he's able. In fact, he's able to give you much more than this. What you have planned. The things that you think. This is, God says, I've got lots more planned for you. You've got to trust me. If the Holy Spirit of God has pointed out something or maybe a teacher's come to you or somebody, you're like, oh, no, I'm good. Mom and dad's not concerned. No, I'm fine. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Why don't you trust him? Why don't you believe in him? Why don't you yield to him and respond the way that God would have you? Why? Because yes, our God is able.